Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Hola, mamacitas. Welcome back. We are rounding out season two. I cannot believe it. Second to last episode of season two, but I am saving the best for last. I haven't actually done a lot of mindful parenting podcasts this season. However, these are the two. If I was going to do it, I am ending it with a bang. I want to give you value. I want to give you support. I want to give you information that goes just beyond that theory of how we want to raise our kids and giving you concrete tools of how to actually do it, right? I think many of us, if you're listening to this podcast, right, I'm all about mindful parenting, spirituality, and facing problems that we have in motherhood and life. And we have all subscribed to this new paradigm of parenting, right? And it's great. It's a great reminder of the theory of what we're attempting to do, what our goals are. However, we need strategies of like in the midst of the moment when there is a tantrum, when there is a meltdown, what do we actually do to be supportive? How do we help ourselves when stress is arising? How do we help our children? And so that's what I truly believe mindful parenting because I'm in the midst of it. You know, this idea of conscious parenting is the overarching of this philosophy that we want to embody. But mindful parenting is the strategies, the tools in the heat of the moment. What do you do? You have to be rooted in the present moment of how your child is feeling, how are you feeling, what's your stress triggers, what stress state they're in at that moment. And then saying and speaking and supporting in a way that is respectful, that is empathetic, that is validating. Now, this is hard work, man. It's not easy. And you might be thinking, wow, she sounds mad peppy for a topic about taming tantrums and managing meltdowns. I will tell you, I'm so lit up by sharing this because it is one of the hardest things, obviously, for all parents, me included. Not fun, but... Many of us, I know I am, I'm the nerd who loves to research, who loves when an aha happens because you find a new strategy or a tool to help you with a problem that you're facing. Nothing lights me up more. And especially with parenting, when you have a strategy to try that can help you feel more confident about your abilities, that can help you feel like you're doing a good job, that you're supporting your child. Yes, we are going to mess up. That is not the the purpose of this is like we're never going to ever be upset or triggered by our child's meltdown or we're going to say the right thing always. However, when we have strategies and a game plan of where we're trying to go, what to do, you feel so much more confident. Your energy is so much more relaxed. I know this for myself and that's why I'm so excited to share this with you. And for many of you, because we are now ending season two of the podcast. This is the second to last episode. So I am making sure that you know that in fall, I'm not giving a concrete date of when I'm coming back to work, but coaching calls have now ended. Um, I'm not taking one-on-one clients anymore until the fall. And this is a topic that I work on with moms 
very, very frequently. Helping you understand strategies and to help your kids when they're dysregulated. And so we're going to learn the basics so you can start taking these steps you're in the summer. Maybe your kids have been home this whole time in the pandemic. Maybe they've been at school. Now they're going to come back for the summer. This is going to give you time over the summer to really practice and try to hone these tools. And if you have questions when I come back, I'm always going to be there for you, obviously. Or if you want one-on-one support, I will be there in the fall. So we're talking today, right, about helping your child when they're dysregulated. And this is the exact process Not only do I, when I'm working with mom clients to help them learn with their kids, but also what I do to help my mom clients help them learn how to regulate themselves. They come to me, I'm feeling anxious, I'm reaching my tolerance level, I'm shouting too much, I'm snapping too much, I'm not as patient as I would like to be. And you're noticing that you're living your life, you're feeling like you're on edge. Um, And you know, we're in different spectrums on this journey, but there is a spectrum of mom burnout that we're in and we're recognizing that we're not living in a aligned state. Yes, we have pockets of feeling like in the groove and things are going well, but then big emotions happen, unexpected things happen, sensory triggers happen, and then we lose it. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week, but I just want to let you know this is what I do to support moms, not only to help you with your kids, but you for yourself because When you know how to regulate yourself, I mean, you can read all the parenting books, you can listen to all the podcasts, but we have to put into practice because it's not automatic. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be hard because you're rewiring patterns of parenting that's never been modeled to you. And so it is a process. And But when we focus on ourselves first and understanding how do we tame our own tantrums, how do we tame our own meltdowns? Because yes, this is not an isolated thing just for kids. This is a human thing. We all go through this and many of us have not learned the strategies when we're kids. That's why we struggle with it when we're grownups. And so it's also hard for us to parent and model and to be able to hold space. That's why it's difficult. And my hand is raised here too. And so it's a relearning. And I just want you to know that it's always going to be hard and a process and effort to help your child in those moments of tantrums and meltdowns and dysregulation if you are not taking the time to understand how to support and help yourself. So whether you start with your practice first or whether you come in with the intention of I want to help my kids, I think it's a cycle. It's a cyclical thing. You're going to you're going to hit the other point because knowing how to support yourself helps you better support your kids. Knowing how to support your kids, that means that you have to step up and learn how to support yourself. So, I truly believe this is an invitation to actively rewire your brain and the past conditionings and the past behaviors that we've learned. And I urge you to reach out if you need support. And like I said, though I'm not doing one-on-one right now and I'm leaving on maternity, please send me an email. I will be back in September to support you. I'm actually there's already a wait list growing. So if you're interested in being on that wait list and you want to be the first to know when coaching opens up, please email me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com and I'll let you know how to get on the wait list if you're really serious and you want to 
start diving into this. I also want to let you know that this was truly inspired because I was in, asked by Insight Timer app to create a course on mindfully handling meltdowns. And so I have a 10 session course, it's all audio, 10 to 15 minute audio clips a day that walks you through more depth in the process that I'm going to be teaching you today. So for the summer, while I'm not available to work with you one-on-one, definitely take advantage of that. And I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can have access to that if you choose to. And it's really, really simple, right? You just listen to it. Um, You know, you can write down notes if you want. Uh, It's a great, great format to help you dive deeper. Like I said, 10 sessions of 10 to 15 minutes. You just pop in your ear pods and you can go deeper into what I'm talking about today. So let's dive into this juicy topic, all right? So many people think that tantrums and meltdowns are the same exact thing, and they are actually not. Though they look similar, they are different. And what's happening to you and your child, there's a different experience that's happening, which means that we have to respond and self-soothe in a different way based on whether you're experiencing a tantrum or a meltdown. And so let's start there, understanding the difference between tantrum and meltdown. Now, both of them, meaning tantrums and meltdowns for kids and for grownups, is a rite of passage. Kids who are not taught how to handle emotions and ride through them become adults who are not sure how to ride through them and learn and be able to express them constructively. So this is not your fault if you feel like, I don't know this. This is an opportunity for you to be a partner with your child to learn and to be able to process your own emotions so that you can be a model for your kids. So you're learning together. The emotional struggle for all of us is real. It's part of the brain development for children and for ourselves. And so I just want to normalize that this is, I know, intense and hard and uncomfortable, but it's part of our soul's growth process. All right, so the main difference between tantrums and meltdowns. So tantrums have a purpose and meltdowns are a result of sensory overload. Okay, I'm going to go really deep into both of these. So if you're probably like, what is she talking about? Don't you worry. So what does a tantrum mean? It essentially means when something doesn't go our way and we feel frustrated, we're angry, we're disappointed, we lose our temper. Tantrums is losing your temper. Your mind is still activated. It's not completely dysregulated. It's semi-dysregulated. For kids, you might see that they'll whine and they'll negotiate and they'll try to bargain. And for grown-ups, we nag, we manipulate, we try to argue and prove our point and be right so that the other person will do what we want. The big difference is that there is control in our mind. We are not completely offline. We can still formulate sentences. We recognize that, oh, this is like upsetting us. Like this, I don't like this. And we're trying to change it because of our innate need of wanting happiness, wanting what we want. We are trying to make that happen, whether it's trying to negotiate with someone or if it feels like there's nobody on the other side, we're just upset. We're just really, really angry. And sometimes tantrums can lead to meltdowns, but not always. 
And so when our brain is not completely dysregulated or your child's brain is not completely dysregulated, yes, there's an intensity of emotion, but you can still rationalize. And the way that we talk to them, not being demanding, not being forceful, not saying no, like saying no without saying no, like knowing the right strategies of recognizing when your child is in this state is really crucial. So when your child has a specific need or you have a specific need and they want it met, but it's not being met. And, you know, we have all seen this. It's a child's version of manipulation. And I always say, do not ever negotiate with a terrorist. Here's the thing, because they still have control over their mind, if you give in, they will know. So they will know that I just need to whine a little bit harder. I need to just complain a little bit longer. And mommy's going to give up because her threshold is that if I just push the buttons and the boundaries a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, I'm going to get what I want. And we don't want to create that pattern. It is so hard. Like I tell you guys that crying and whining and loud sounds is a sensory trigger for me. And I know that is for a lot of parents. Like you might feel annoyed and agitated, but that constant whining, nagging could potentially put you over the edge into sensory overload and cause us to have our own meltdowns. So I know that it's really hard, but that's where our strategies of understanding the breathwork tools and how to stay grounded and building our resilience reserves so we're not going into that depleted red brain state where we completely um, are in fight or flight and we shout and snap and get impatient. So, you know, there's two things and work here, right? Their emotions, but also where we're at energetically and emotionally. And so it's really, really crucial you know, to make sure that you stay very firm with what your boundaries are. You can, you can be empathetic to how they feel, what they want. It's not about understanding and rationalizing in your mind, like what they want. Like you might be thinking, when in the world have I ever given candy for, for breakfast, but they want it and they're asking and they're being relentless. It's not about you arguing like, that's ridiculous. When has that ever happened? That's crazy. They want what they want. Don't try to change their point of view. It's just like understanding and riding it through. But that's simply not the case with meltdowns. And this is how tantrums and meltdowns differ. So a meltdown goes a step beyond. And it is a result of a sensory overload. So yeah, you might be agitated or maybe you're hungry or maybe you're a little tired and then something unexpected happens or something doesn't go your way and it is a full body reaction to being overloaded. It is stress overload because the coping mechanisms and skills that we have cannot compensate for the intensity of emotions and pressure and tension that is within our system. We lose all control over our thoughts. Our brain literally goes offline. It is like sane self has officially left the building and it requires a completely different set of self-soothing skills to help support yourself or your child, whoever's going through the meltdown. And think about it, you know, when traumatic car accidents and things happen, you know, our mind doesn't remember those things. So a lot of times I like to think of like, you go in a blackout, like an anger rage, a meltdown rage. You don't know what you're saying. You know, it's like anger's visiting and it's making you say and do things, right? You've said things in rage where you're just, 
you're like blurts out and it's mean. It's like you would never say it if you had a moment to pause and think before you speak, but you're just so much intensity of pressure within you and the emotions that the only way to feel temporary relief is by spewing it out because it's so intense. And that's just a sign that our nervous system can't hold the capacity of what it is that we're feeling. We just have to raise and to be able to fine tune our nervous system. We've just reached a state where there's a complete energy depletion and after we feel angry rage you know what's the feeling after the meltdown right we're tired we expend so much energy mentally physically emotionally with the meltdown and so there is a period where it's like kind of like after the hangover like you have to nurse yourself back up to your energy resolve because you completely have gone in this blackout rage and it depletes your energy reserve and then it's Uh, now you can kind of like hear people and think about it when we're in like meltdown mode right and say your partner says like calm down take a deep breath you probably will piss you off like you're gonna be like no I don't want to take calm down and take a deep breath like that is not in your repertoire and so a lot of parents ask me like I try like we take deep breaths together at night and then when or we're only introducing it like you know when they're having big feelings and it's they're not doing it well that's why you're introducing it during a meltdown where their mind is completely dysregulated and any sort of talking even like supportive talking can potentially further dysregulate them because they're having a sensory overload experience that's why it's not working. And so, you know, there's a, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the benefits of mindfulness practice in breathwork practice. You know, I always share like, you do it every day when they're calm, like you're brushing your teeth. So you're brushing your brain. So you're building that daily habitual practice that you take care of your brain every day. But in the heat of the moment, it's like your cavities. It's, you know, you you have to go to a skilled dentist in order to take certain specific steps. You can't just like, let's take deep breaths or let's, you know, you can just brush your teeth and, you know, the cavity will go away. No, it's too late for that. It's now reached an intensity where it requires a skilled expert to walk through certain steps to help you relieve your pain. That's what we're doing when our child's having a meltdown. We can't just be like, let's lead up, oh, let's just brush your teeth and take deep breaths and brush your brain and everything's going to go away. No, we have to build their safety, like help them ride through the emotions, help them calm down, let their brain come back online. And, you know, it, it able to be able to process and hear you again before we try to solve the situation, talk about, you know, what we can do differently next time. We can't over compensate in that moment and so I talk about sensory overload what is sensory overload this is the trigger that goes from the agitation state to the meltdown state even for grown-ups and what that is is that you know we don't realize but the environment around us triggers our nervous system in different ways so for example like being too loud being rushed being around a lot of people and energy too bright the type of texture of clothing, if it's too tight, if we're too hot, we're too cold. There's physical triggers like, you know, being tired, being hungry, um, being sick, you know, some big transition happening that can cause them to rattle and get into meltdown mode quickly. 
for adults, there's emotional triggers. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week. But those are just like sensory triggers, like understanding your child's triggers. And based on our Ayurvedic, you know, Vata, Pitta, or Kapha type, there are different ways that we handle external stimulus and that can overstimulate us and get our mind and our brain completely dysregulated. So knowing what state of mind your child is in is very crucial. So I break it down red brain, yellow brain, green brain. Red brain being the reactive brain, brain being offline, sensory overload, meltdown mode. Your goal is to help your child feel safe. The second is yellow brain, which is responsive, but this could be where tantrums are. You're seeing the whining, you're seeing the overclingingness, you're seeing the complaining, um, the tantrum could be happening at this. Their, their brain is not completely offline, but you have to be very skilled in how you respond to them. You can't just be demanding and tell them what to do. Probably will trigger them to go into red brain reactive mode. Then the third is green brain. This is when they're in the most playful, joyful, balanced state, right? When they're able to learn, where they're able to listen, they're happy, they're playful, they're their normal selves. So knowing when they're in this green brain resilient state or this yellow brain responsive state or this red brain reactive state is going to change how you handle the specific tantrum versus meltdown, right? So before we talk about learning how to handle your child's tantrum versus meltdown, you have to be crystal clear what your role is. Many parents take personally their child's tantrum or their meltdown as a sign that it is a sign they're a bad parent or they're not doing something right. And that's just not true. This is, like I said, a rite of passage for every child as their brain grows and develops, you know, the prefrontal cortex requiring empathy, emotional awareness. This doesn't fully develop until we're 24 to 26 years old. So there's a lot of growth that's going to happen and a lot of meltdowns and a lot of tantrums. And to be quite honest, I feel like for a lot of adults, we're still developing this. And so when this dysregulation happens, it is not a reflection of you. It is just a reflection that there is sensory overload in their system. That's it. It's not anything that you can say, do. Um, so we have to stop thinking that we need to be this fixer. We're just a supporter. We don't need to fix our problem. We don't need to be responsible for our kids' emotions. We are not responsible for their happiness and always you know, getting them out of these uncomfortable moods. When you let go of that pressure that you are not responsible for fixing the problem and making their feelings go away, so much pressure is released. You're not falling short. You're learning alongside of them. And a lot of times I just say that silence, if you don't know what to say and you're confused, silence and just acknowledging, I don't know how to support you in this moment. There is nothing, nothing wrong with that. That is actually very admirable. And it's okay to even tell your child, like, I don't know exactly how to support you, but we're going to figure this out together. And just having that constant mindset an awareness that you are always trying to grow. You're always trying to do better. You will continue to search and seek and find new solutions is all that you can do. And at the end of the day, all children, all human beings, I will say, all we ever want is to feel validated, seen, 
understood, respected, and heard. Think about it. And this comes from awareness of me and my friend. We were talking and we were raised in different ways, both Indian. However, the way that my parents handled things and the way that her parents handled things when problems happened or big feelings happened, mine were, I never felt comfortable sharing emotions. It was like you suppress the feelings because you're not safe. They're, you know, my parents didn't know how to handle their own emotions. So they weren't very supportive or understanding feelings were weak like you don't share difficult feelings you only share the good stuff and so I internalized when I wasn't safe to speak my feelings or share my feelings it was suffocating and I felt bad and I didn't know how to navigate emotions as I became an adult and I couldn't ask for help because I didn't know how to trust and understand what my emotions were telling me. It was either suppress them because they were too intense or only show the happy ones. And I read somewhere that people who struggle to ask for help as adults were kids who were forced to suppress their emotions, to suck it up. And now we've developed this mindset that we can only rely on ourselves. We can't share our feelings because we're a burden on someone. It's hard to admit when we need help and we can't trust others because no, they haven't showed up for us. And so that feeling of not being able to feel supported is because of the inability to ask for support. And only thing that I really wanted was to feel validated, to be able to have a voice and to, to share my feelings. And then my friend who felt more comfortable sharing their feelings had a parent who was more on the inclination of like that toxic positivity. Like, oh, why are you feeling sad? Look at all the great things that you have in your life. Just be positive. Like the sun is shining. It's coming from a good place to try to lift them up. But she was like, no, but I feel like this. Like I didn't feel like my feelings were validated. And what she felt is that she didn't trust her inner voice. Like, okay, I just got to push through this. I just got to be positive. There's all these other things that I can be grateful for. And my self-esteem was affected the way that I was raised and her self-esteem was affected the way that she was raised. We were both different extremes, but we never learned to trust our emotions, to feel our emotions, to feel validated. And so when we think about what our role is for our kids is to hold space. We don't need to solve their problems, right? We didn't need our parents to tell us exactly what to do and how to solve the problem. We didn't need them to make it go away. We just needed someone to hold us and be like, I see you, I understand, this is hard. I've been there. Even like putting yourself in that situation, be like, I've felt this and it's not cool, it's not comfortable, but I'm here for you and we can get through this together, right? To know that someone's on your side. And so you are just their partner, the guide from the side. You do not have to fix their problems. You are not this sage. You are not this, you know, let me tell you what to do. Let me fix your problem. It's not that. They don't need that from us. The number one thing that our children need is to feel heard. So when we're handling tantrums it's about slowing ourselves down and listening they want what they're feeling to be validated I can see that this is upsetting you I can see that you're disappointed when we don't get what we want or things unexpectedly happen we feel that right it is not pleasant it is hardwired in us that when we get what we want we feel happy and when we don't get what we want when we want it we feel unhappy and so we're still learning how to process that natural experience so obviously our kids are too and sometimes we are the cause of that because we're the ones saying no and so it's like in it's easy for them to point 
the anger or the frustration on us because it seems like we're the ones standing away in their way of their happiness or what they want to do. Our goal here when there's tantrums is to not fix things, is not to make them happy, it's not to give in, is just to listen and be like, oh yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, what's going on? Like I see that you're having a big feeling. Staying less is going to help you stay regulated too. So even being very empathetic and be like, I really wish I could give this to you. I really wish that we could eat ice cream before we ate dinner. But here's what we can do. And giving a solution. They're not going to always like it. Like just like we don't, right? Like when we have our mindset on something, that's what we want. And it can only look in that one way. And depending on how stubborn and how strong-willed your child is, they will either be willing to pivot, maybe not willing to compromise. And that's okay. That's okay. Disappointment is okay. It is so much more important that they learn how to handle that now because it is just a part of life, right? And we cannot um, protect them from that. So it's okay that that happens. So really just listen, affirm, and then redirect what you can do. And yes, it may lead to a meltdown. And then you're going to move on to the strategies of how to handle a meltdown. Maybe they've reached that next level of not being able to handle it. But it's really important of learning, I find, that saying no without actually saying no. Because no is just like a, such a definitive. I don't like hearing no. Do you like hearing no? No. And so like when your child is modeling that back and saying no, and if it's like, oh, why are they saying no? And if it triggers you, that's your cue to learn ways of saying no without saying no. And that's one of the biggest strategies that I work with my clients um, to help them do that. And so the next thing is, okay, handling meltdowns. So meltdowns, like I said, is a sensory overload. So if you can, take them out of wherever they're at. Maybe there's too many people. It's too loud. It's too bright. Take them away where it's quiet, where their senses can then be more regulated. If you're in your home, take them to a calm down corner. This is the perfect time. People think like, you know, with timeouts, like you're sending them away. But time ends, you're actually sitting with them. You know, and I talk a lot about non-verbal support. So you say, um, you know, do you want a hug? Or you don't even say hug. You just put your hands out for like seeing if they want a hug. You either, they either want that touch or they're going to want space. And if they want space, taking some space away where they can see you, but you're not in their personal like space is okay. Like, I'm going to be right in the kitchen. When you're ready for a hug, I'm here for you. And that's it. And you walk away. A lot of times if you're being triggered by the sound or what the situation is, that's your time to reset yourself. Just let them know where you're going, that you're in eyes distance. You don't have to be physically present with them, sitting with them if they need space, if they're like, you know, upset and they just need to get the energy out. And, you know, in the Meditation for Kids book, I have, you know, more active movement, like, Anger mashed potatoes, 
intensity of emotion to get it out. It's okay if they're, you know, you know, if they feel like they need to cry really loud and they need to stomp their feet. That's a way that we expend that energy from us. When I talk about riding the emotion out, it's also physically riding and letting that intensity of that energy come out. Kind of like a labor surge, right? I have never seen, I mean, there might be somebody out there, but I've never seen like when the intensity is really like hard, that they're just like, oh, I'm just going to take quiet, deep breath. <sighs> you know, it's like, it's like you're either, you know, bolting out the breath out or you're, I was chanting home, for example, or someone's screaming and it's just like, there's an intensity and it feels good to let that intensity out. So it's really important to help your child feel safe. And that means being silent, giving them time and just being supportive their brain is offline so the less you say the more supportive you can be and really focusing on that non-verbal communication you know um there it, it can take time sometimes for them to ride through it it could be a buildup of emotions and a child expressing their emotions doesn't make you a bad mom or dad even if they're kicking and they're screaming and they're yelling this has nothing to do with your parenting. It has nothing to do with you as a person. So stop, take a breath, stay silent, and remember that your child just needs you to feel safe in that moment. And take this opportunity to really go under what, how you can support your child by helping them understand their emotions and giving them space to feel their emotions. And when they're in a green brain state, you know, when they ride down, they're gonna go into a yellow brain state first. And they'll be able to hear you a little bit more. And that's where you can invite them to start regulating their breath a little bit, right? Because they're getting out of the fight or flight. Like invite them to do some of the breaths that you practice from the Meditation for Kids book, but never in a red brain state. They're just not able to comprehend. It's going to trigger them more. And they may say no, but then doing things that, you know, can be drawing or things in their calm down corner that can help them regulate, reading a book, um, drawing, Hoberman sphere, so many different strategies. It's different each time, you know, what one size fits all practices is going to work every single time. This is where your presence comes in of using the tools that are around you, being that MacGyver mom and being so keenly aware, what are the, the tools I have around me that I can utilize to help support my child? And then when they're completely in a green brain state, that's when you build the conversation of what can we learn from this? What can we do differently? Even though we made a mistake, how can we learn? What were you feeling? I can really understand that you were feeling this way, you know? And so it's really, really important that when your child's brain is offline, we're just helping them stay safe. And so if you're really interested to dive deeper into strategies, deeper into really supporting based on your child's specific circumstances, um, you know, I had asked moms on Instagram if they had any specific questions you know, and one of the ones that's most common that comes is like hitting. And it is okay for you to set firm boundaries when your child is having a tantrum and meltdown. And what I do is I step away, put my hands behind my back, and I'm making a firm, clear command is that I will not let you hit mommy's body. It hurts. I will give you something that if you want to hit that is safe, you can give him a pillow, but you may not 
hits, you may not hit me. And you're creating physical space. Just because they're hitting you doesn't mean that you need to grab their hand, step away, create that safety. And you're like, if you continue to do that, mommy's going to have to stay, step away or go away until you can be gentle with your hands. And you know, it's a work in progress, but that's a phase in itself too that they will they will grow out of. And, um, you know, another common question that I had gotten from Instagram moms was, you know, how do you handle a hunger, tired meltdown versus others that you don't know where the triggers are? You don't need to know what the trigger was. You just need to be able to distinguish, is this a tantrum or a meltdown? When you start to dissect, why are they triggered? What triggered them? There's a whole variable of experience. It could be that they're hungry and it was too bright. It could be that they're too hot and they're, you know, thirsty. It could be that it's too loud for them or this person said something earlier today that, you know, hurt their feelings. So now that the emotions are coming out because they've reached their threshold and tolerance level, you don't need to dissect what it is. It's sometimes helpful that you're like after the fact, like, oh, that's too loud. Like my child doesn't like loud environments. So you can prepare and be aware that this potentially might be overstimulating so that you are ready that if you go to a family baby shower and there's 500 people people there your child potentially will need time to go outside so you won't be frustrated like why can't they handle it and pushing them in the situation and getting upset and embarrassed that they have a tantrum you'll know okay every 10 20 minutes or whatever they need um, they might need a little break or every hour let's take them outside I know 10, 20 minutes is not realistic. Every hour, you know, take them outside, get some fresh air, whatever the case may be, you'll be able to come up with strategies. You'll be able to communicate with them. You know, big thing is that with Ayan, we've talked about sensory triggers. I've laid out all my sensory triggers. And those are based on the five senses. And he has too. So he's aware this is a trigger for me. Your voice, the tone of your voice is triggering me. This environment, this sound is too loud for me right now. It builds awareness for children at a young age to understand what triggers them. If this is something that you want more support with, like I said, please reach out to me. Get on my wait list and I would be more than happy to serve you. You can listen to the Insight Timer course in the meantime in the summer to have more support. But I really wanted you to have a foundation of just start starting this awareness of learning the difference between tantrum and meltdown, learning the different sensory triggers and physical triggers that trigger your child. And they change. I remember as a child, I could sleep over anywhere. I could sleep in any blanket and I wouldn't be triggered. Now as an adult, either I got pickier or my sensory overload is just a little bit more intense. I feel like as I've become more of an empath, um, loud sounds, bright, you know, bright lights, like I used to go to clubs and like love listening to loud music in my car. I mean, now I have to turn the music down so that I can see properly when I'm driving. Like I hate loud music. Going to a club seems like torture now. Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, do you want to kill me? Um, I would rather do anything else than go to a club where it's like loud music late at night, like overstimulation of my senses. So, you know, it changes over over the growth of our years and for our children too. So it's just great to build this conversation and awareness. So I really hope this serves you well. 
please, if you have questions, reach out. Please, if you want to do one-on-one coaching, reach out and definitely take a look at the Insight Timer course. It will be so helpful. It is so juicy and I know you'll get so much value of it. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I got another great, great mindful parenting episode next week that you are going to love. And it's going to be more focused on you and mom burnout and that cycle that we go through and how to support ourselves. It is so eye-opening and I know you're going to love it. So thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, if you love this, please share it. It is so packed with good information that so many of us need and all of us struggle with as parents. All right, guys, Satnam, have a blessed week. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven day stress detox course. All you gotta do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, frustrated, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's Target, IndieBound, Bam, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.